As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. My best advice is to get your mindset right and believe in your purpose. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure, free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name, episode 565, titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And... He is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Now I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free and then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely ones up being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company, and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today. Dan Randazzo. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well, Joe. How are you? I'm doing well and nice to have you on the show. Danny is the owner of Randazzo Capital. His first purchase was a million dollar commercial building. He took every available liquid dollar to buy his first primary residence in the San Francisco Bay Area. He's now based in Charleston, South Carolina. His portfolio holdings are focused on commercial and multifamily properties. With that being said, Danny, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? My background is in 
financial consulting. So when I graduated from college, I was working for a small local company and started within the corporate world, working a financial consulting job, traveling around the country, landing a project overseas in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, where I worked overseas for about a year and then came back to San Francisco. When I moved back home, I was kind of ripe with cash from my job living overseas and not having living expenses to pay for. So I took all of my savings and dumped it into my first primary residence purchase in which I rented out two of the bedrooms and lived pretty much free with the exception of about $400 in the Bay Area in cost of living. So I held on to that property for just over two years and came out with tax-free gains, sold it, and that really created my equity nest egg, as I like to call it, to then relocate across the country, start investing in commercial property. So you mentioned my first property was a million-dollar purchase that I did on my own. So I put in about 200000 that I had in savings to purchase the six-unit commercial office building, which has currently five of the six units are occupied, and I'm in the process of getting a long-term three- to five-year lease in place with a national mortgage lender to fill up my sixth unit. And once I have that sixth unit filled, I'll then look to refinance the property and get my initial investment back out, but also build up some equity in that property. So that deal should be a pretty good one for me. My current focus nowadays is still on the commercial acquisition side as well as multifamily properties. I'm really looking to get into some of these larger deals as I feel that there's more ability to control and scale your business, having fewer properties to oversee and manage. So that's kind of been my strategy to really go for the larger properties that generate more cash flow in order to build the lifestyle that my fiance and I want to have. You took every available liquid dollar and you put it into your primary residence in San Francisco and you're basically house hacking where you had some people renting out the rooms and repeat what you mentioned earlier, will you please? How much did you actually pay after the rents were coming in every month? After the rents were coming in, I paid out of pocket about 400 bucks, which part of that went to cable and internet, part of that went to heating and cooling, and part of that went to an HOA fee because it was a condo. But for the Bay Area, I call that a win if you can live off 400 bucks between all of your housing expenses and everything included. So that was a big one. How much were the rents? The rents were 900 for a basement room and 1100 for an upstairs room. How much would the room that you were living in had rented out for if you had rented it? I probably could have rented it out for about 13, 1400 bucks. So you're fiscally responsible, and I know because we know each other outside of just this interview, and so I know you've had a budget ever since, what, high school to the penny of the in and out of money in your checking account. Is that correct? 
Yeah, that's correct. I really enjoy tracking and understanding where all of my money comes in from and where it goes out to. So I can see over the course of time, am I spending a lot in areas where I don't really need to be spending? There was a period in my life where I was buying clothes and I play a little bit of golf. So I would buy some golf shorts and some golf shoes. And during the summer months, during golf season, my spending was pretty crazy and I was really getting no value out of purchasing some new golf shirts when I had several in the closet or in the dresser that would work just fine. So having the ability to track to the penny of what comes in and what goes out was really important for me. And as I look at my history of tracking my budget, if I didn't save every single nickel, dime, and quarter over that span of my life, I might not have been able to afford that down payment that ultimately got me into that single family house, which then ultimately led me to build that equity nest egg, which then allowed me to purchase my first commercial property. I'm glad that you explained that because that's what I want to ask you about. You put every liquid dollar into that primary residence in San Francisco, knowing that you do count your budget to the penny. It almost seems counterintuitive, although I understand it, but an outsider might think, wow, he's so focused on to the penny, but yet he's going all in on a primary residence in San Francisco. What did you think through in order to actually pull the trigger and going all in where every liquid dollar was in a primary residence in San Francisco? Well, what I evaluated was the opportunity to purchase that property. So as I moved back to the U.S., I had a pretty decent stockpile of money. I purchased my primary residence at $475,000, so the 20% down payment, 80, 90, almost $100,000 was sitting in my bank account, and I was thinking, what is the best use for this? money because I don't want to go out and buy any silly golf clothes. I don't want to buy a new car. I don't want to buy anything that isn't going to generate some positive value and income for my life. So looking at the property that I was going to purchase, it was previously trading at almost $800,000 back in 06 and 07. So I figured that it would be a relatively safe play. The California market and specifically the neighborhood that I was in within the Bay Area was just really stabilizing. And from 2012 to 2013, it had a little bit of market appreciation. But over 2013, 14, and 15, there was some significant appreciation and growth in that specific neighborhood just because the Bay Area was rapidly growing and the neighborhood that I was in was in the path of growth. So I was able to really buy it at a good discount compared to the 0607 peak and realize some of that upswing as the market continued to rebound and strengthen over the last three years. And what'd you sell it for? I sold it for 585000 On top of that, I had $400 a month in living expenses. So the house, I was able to build a good amount of equity in it, but also pay down 
the principal interest and taxes really without using any of my own money. You sold the property in San Francisco, and then you went east to Charleston, South Carolina. Why'd you go from San Francisco to Charleston? Well, my fiance and I were getting a little bit more serious, and she was my girlfriend at the time. So we were having some discussions about life and lifestyle and what we wanted to do with our time and how we wanted to live. And one of my conversations with her was, hey, I remember reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad back in school. I've studied and really enjoy real estate, let's look at buying some rental properties here, just really using basic math. If you can buy a property and you get paid rental income that's greater than all of your expenses, you're doing pretty well. So that's kind of how I instilled the bug into my girlfriend and now fiance. So we eventually said and realized in the California market that returns were not very good and capital was a high barrier to entry in that market because most of the properties are quite pricey in the Bay Area. So we evaluated a few markets, Florida, Texas, a couple of cities in each of those, and then Charleston. And we settled on Charleston because the real estate market, first and foremost, is doing very well there. And we felt very comfortable in knowing the market. My fiance is originally from Charleston, so she knows some of the ins and outs of the neighborhood. She had a built-in network there. Her brother is also in the real estate industry, so we were a little bit more comfortable going there versus any other city because we already had a network of people set up to help us. And in addition to that, I was still traveling and still am traveling for my full-time job as a consultant. So going to a new city and me flying out for the week and leaving her there didn't seem like the best option versus going to Charleston where she has some people in the area to support her and support our real estate needs seemed like the best move for us. So now you took the money that you had saved up as well as earned tax-free from the sale of your primary residence to Charleston and you purchased a million-dollar commercial property that is a six-unit office building. Tell us about how you found that and what is the business plan for you. You mentioned that you're going to refi the property and get your initial investment back out, but is this a long-term hold and any other details that you think are relevant? The property was identified. It was an on-market deal timing just seemed to be right. The property, when it was originally listed, probably about six months earlier, it had, I think it was about 50% occupied and nobody was really interested in paying what the seller was asking with only 50% occupancy. So by the time that we had moved to Charleston and really got settled in the area, I started exploring and looking at properties anything and everything that I could get across my desk or on the computer. And it happened to come up and I looked at it and I thought, you know, if this property was fully occupied, it would be a pretty good deal. So we contacted the listing agent, got the financials, and the property had actually gone up from 50% occupancy to 85% occupancy. We were basically one out of six units 
was vacant. So Mm -hmm. we did some negotiations with the seller. We got a great deal on the purchase price coming into the deal. And then also the seller leased back the vacant unit for three months. And that gave us some time to do some marketing for the vacancy, generate some interest, and we should be signing a lease for that unit in the next couple of weeks, and we'll have it fully occupied. The property is currently generating about a 30% cash-on-cash return. So, again, it was just great deal, great timing, and being open to analyze the numbers and kind of think outside of the box a little bit and timing. Yeah, and what aspect did you think outside the box on this one? Well, having the property on market for about six months and going back to the listing agent and getting some more information on where it was currently at, the other piece that is a good tip for all the listeners, the owner was the developer of the property and of about 10,000 single-family residences. So they were a kind of mid to luxury home builder. And this home builder had finished up their entire development project. So in that area, there was really nothing left for them to do. And they were trying to liquidate and close their LLC books on the development portion, but they were kind of burdened by having this office professional unit still on their books. So they were able to cut a really good deal where they were coming down off of their asking price by almost $250,000 because for them, that property was a little bit of a burden to keep their business operating and functioning when they have sold off their main asset, which was the home development portion. So the one thing that I've learned is if you know a developer is selling and it's towards the end of the month, it's usually in their best interest to close or sell as many deals by the end of the month so they don't have any additional accounting or legal fees from their teams because the developers have large fees and teams that are required to close those deals and close the books. And I just had some good success with buying direct from developers. And if it's towards the end of the month, they're usually a little bit more motivated to sell. You said the seller leased back the vacant unit for three months. Did they actually sign a lease or did they just give you the equivalent of three months rent credit at closing? They did sign a lease for that unit and they did pay monthly installments or monthly lease payments for that unit. The agreement was if I filled the space before their three months was up or due that they wouldn't have to pay anymore. So it was kind of pay-as-you-go piece, and we utilized all three months lease back from them, and they paid on time and in full. What did they lease it for, and what's the new prospective tenant going to lease it for, if you can share that? They leased it at market rent, which was $15 a square foot, which is annual. So they leased it for breaking down their square footage. They were paying $1.25 per square foot per month in base rent. They also covered the utilities, real estate taxes, 
insurance and association fees. So it was a true triple net lease for that short period of time. But all of the tenants that I have in the five other units are all paying about $15 a square foot and they're all triple net lease setups. Based on your experience as a real estate investor, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best advice is to get your mindset right and believe in your purpose. It took me some time to figure that out and really believe in it deep down inside of myself. I had always wanted to be an investor and the want was just not enough to drive someone to take action on the little things that are required to ultimately create a good deal. Once my mindset was there and deep down inside, I believed in my purpose, my want really transformed into a need and it really makes me unstoppable. I'm willing to do any little annoying, painstaking task to get deals closed and it just doesn't matter. I'll get it done. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Finally, your funding problem is 100% solved at CIX.com. At CIX.com, private lenders compete to fund deals. CIX facilitates over half a billion in loans for real estate investors weekly. Get funded and download your free funding kit at CIX.com. What's the best ever book you've read? I'm currently halfway through it. It's called Mistakes Millionaires Make by Harry Clark. All too often, I think people get a little bit overconfident in themselves, myself certainly included in that mix. And Harry's book really talks about some brilliant businessmen and women, some in real estate and some in just general business, who have amassed fortunes, lost fortunes, and even maybe rebounded some of their fortune. It's a great read with tons of lessons on how to protect your business and your personal assets from any sort of risk that's out there or financing personal guarantees of that sort. So it's been great. Who's the author again? Harry Clark. Best ever deal you've done? The best ever deal that I've done was that first primary residence purchase that really created the equity nest egg. I bought a 3-3 condo in the Bay Area for about 775000 rented out two of the bedrooms, which covered all but about $400 in living expense for me. I then sold the property about a little over two years later with tax-free gains in 2006 for 585000 And with those proceeds, my fiance and I started building our real estate empire. So we should all move to another country, earn money, save it, move back to U.S., live on the West Coast, buy a primary residence, rent out one side or two sides, live there, and then move somewhere else that's more affordable and then use that money to buy a commercial property. That's not a bad way to do it, but another option that some people might think they're open to is if you have a relative, live with a relative cheaply for a couple of years, save up some money, live with your parents if that's a possibility, I'm all about understanding and tracking your personal finances. So whatever income's coming in and whatever expenses are going out, 
really try to optimize how much you can save and how much money you can generate. What's a mistake you've made on a deal? The second deal that I did was $960,000 commercial property. It was four office professional spaces, and I syndicated that deal and raised about $200,000, which was just enough money to close the deal and make some improvements to the property. The mistake I made was forgetting to include startup funds for marketing and office professional furniture that we needed for that deal to be successful. So I had to go back to my investors and get more money from them, which wasn't a problem. However, the investors only wanted to put additional funds in based on the equity share that we had agreed to. So I had to come out of my own pocket to cover my equity position in that property which in hindsight, if I would have included those startup costs up front, it wouldn't have been a big deal to the overall return on investment for the investor, and I would have kept a little bit more money in my pocket. What's the best ever way you like to give back? The best ever way I like to give back is through what I like to think of as random acts of kindness. So The other week, I was traveling through the airport, and there was this lady who was just struggling with her child, holding her child, trying to put her stroller and all of her luggage down the plane, down the jet bridge, and get on board in a reasonable time fashion to keep everybody else happy, and nobody was helping her. So I pulled off to the side of the line, helped her get her stroller put away, helped her get her kid on board, and then noticed that she was seated in the row behind me. I happened to be in first class. So she was in a middle seat and there were two larger gentlemen to both sides of her and she looked very uncomfortable in her seat. So I gave up my seat in first class for her to be comfortable with her child and for her kid to have some space on that flight. So random acts of kindness, buying people cups of coffee when they least expect it and just making people smile on a daily basis. I love those stories. Thanks for sharing that. And where can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? You can check out my website, brandazocapital.com. You can find me on Bigger Pockets. You can find me on Facebook at Danny Randazzo. You can also find me on YouTube at Danny Randazzo. Danny, thank you for being on the show and sharing your incredible start as well as how your approach has evolved from house hacking in San Francisco to then moving to a more affordable market and buying a commercial property, getting at right now 30% cash on cash return on your million dollar property. And it's not even fully rented along with the lessons you've learned along the way. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. Finally, your funding problem is 100% solved at CIX.com. At CIX.com, private lenders compete to fund deals. CIX facilitates over half a billion in loans for real estate investors weekly. Get funded and download your free funding kit at CIX.com.